So this morning, uh, as we continue to be uh, challenged with discipleship lessons from the book of Philippians, it's been clear that Paul, in uh, this letter, is providing direction on how disciples of Jesus can respond to God's amazing grace and His love and live out the gospel of grace in our lives. A biblical discipleship approach is to live the life that Jesus would live if Jesus were living my life today. So this morning we continue our reading as we go to chapter 3 in the book of Philippians. And as we read from this passage, take note of how initially it sounds like Paul is kind of boasting and, and bragging about who he is and his accomplishments. But as we get further into the passage, none of this matters. What matters most is our relationship with Jesus. Knowing Jesus Christ who died and rose for him, for Paul, for me, for you. And we're asked the question this morning, are we filled with Jesus? So before we read from Philippians 3, let's come to God in prayer. God, as we read from your word from Paul's letter to the Philippian church, as Paul states, perhaps some people may think differently. And we do. But we need to join together to follow Paul's example. So, Lord, we want to be like Paul and to know Jesus Christ. We want to put our trust and our faith in Jesus, not in ourselves or the things of this world. May Jesus be a priority in our lives and our value, and may our value be found in him. May we be filled with Jesus. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his death, for his resurrection. We celebrated the sacrament again this morning. We thank you for your word. We celebrate the word as we read it in a moment. Thank you for your church. And this time together, we celebrate that. Holy Spirit, open our ears and our eyes and our minds and our hearts to your will, to your leading. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Paul's letter to the Philippians and to us. Philippians 3, and we read from verses 1 through 21. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have such reasons for such confidence... If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. Of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever regains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold, 
to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heaven word in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Join together in following my example. Brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, and their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We thank God for his word. So here I have this jug of fruit drink that I've brought along with me this morning. And for those who can't see it that well, I mean, you can see that it's a fruit drink, but on the cover here, there are some grapes and pears and apples and oranges. And I would think that this drink here can only be healthy then, right? But as you get closer and and read the label, there's some small print on there. And it says, uh, natural and artificial flavors. Okay, at least it says there's some natural flavors in here. And then you can read the ingredients, which I absolutely cannot read, so I wrote them down. And the ingredients say water, sugar, glucose, fructose, and then concentrated apple and or pear and or grape, sulfites or juices, not the fruits themselves, and in fact, no oranges as the label displays, Citric acid, modified cornstarch, sodium citrate, natural and artificial flavors, and color. Now, food ingredients are listed in descending order of weight. So that means a product contains the greatest proportion of the first ingredient on the list and successively less of those farther down. So according to the list on this product, the jug in my hand has mostly sugar and water and mysteriously unspecified natural flavors. But it's got a beautiful picture of fruit on the cover, though. But if you're looking for the real thing, 100% fruit juice, then this flavored juice container here, convincingly disguised as to look like something that it's not, it may just as well be left on the shelf in the store. It is fruit flavored, but it's not fruit filled. Well, after this little illustration, one can be left wondering, well, what about us? Could we be labeled as something to be left on the shelf? What if I had an ingredients list printed on me? 
What would be the main ingredient? Would Jesus be the main ingredient? The one listed first on my list? Or how far down the list may he be? Would what appears on the outside actually represent what is on the inside? I may look and sound like the real thing, 100% Christ follower. But what if someone came to me looking for Jesus beneath my Christian label and then they found something else? Would they only find something Jesus-flavored and not Jesus-filled? In today's passage in Philippians 3, Paul is encouraging us to know Jesus, to be filled with Jesus, not just flavored with Jesus. Paul begins this part of the letter so great. I mean, he starts off as he does in other parts of the Philippian letter as well. Rejoice in the Lord. And then he kind of seems to go off on a tangent. Paul commands his readers to watch out, and they're to watch out for the dogs, to watch out for the men who do evil, watch out for the mutilators of the flesh. And using this sort of language in this culture, he's being serious here. It's serious business. Because there's this group of people, and they look good on the outside. And what they are stating is, what matters in this life is that it appears good on the outside. As long as your label looks good, it doesn't matter what your ingredients are. However, it's not what is outside which matters to God. It's what in the, it is in the heart that matters to God. Proverbs 4.23, it states, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows out of the heart. So in this passage, Paul provides us with a bit of a, bit of a bio on himself. And he's listing his ingredients Paul was circumcised on the eighth day. Meaning that he was born in a good Jewish family that that followed the Mosaic laws. He was an Israelite. He descended from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrew. And that's like saying, I'm a Canadian of the Canadians. Whatever that means. Paul was very confident in his upbringing. He was a strict follower of the law. And when he was a Pharisee, Because, rather, he was a Pharisee. And he was such a good Pharisee. In fact, he was so good, he persecuted the church. He had such zeal for God. He had such passion and enthusiasm for God. He wanted God's covenant people to be pure. And he persecuted those who didn't follow the law. Paul kept all the commandments from a child onward. From the perspective of legalistic righteousness, he was faultless. According to Paul, he was the man. And if dabbing were a thing around this first century, Paul would have dabbed at this point. Paul is listing off his ingredients. Paul's not saying that all these accomplishments are evil, but if you are filled with these accomplishments and they're listed first, and Jesus is kind of just an added flavoring, a problem. So Paul's telling the people not to be fooled by the false teachers and leaders who are saying that your strength, your value comes from yourself. Don't put confidence in the flesh. Don't fall for those who say your value comes from being confident in your good works. Don't even put your confidence in the law 
Because as sinners, people cannot possibly be set free through the law. Paul's not saying that we should not obey the law, but our salvation does not come from the law. In verse 7, Paul states, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And in fact, in verse 8, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. And he's talking about really, really gross garbage. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. If your main ingredient in your life is not Jesus Christ, your life needs adjustment. This passage challenges us to not just look at our outward lives, but to look inward. That's where God is looking at us. We could have several achievements. We could have several accomplishments. We've, we can have several possessions or a bank account full of money or investment accounts. We can brag about the best kids, and I hope you do. The best grandkids, I know you do. And the, we can boast about our schools, our jobs, our farms, our production, our bushels per acre. And as a, these are all blessings. And as a blessing as, many, as most of these things are, if these are ingredients that are listed before Jesus, then this is what Paul calls garbage. Verse 8. Again, don't get me or scripture wrong. These things are not wrong and evil in themselves. But if they're the main ingredients in our lives before Jesus, things need to change. We have distractions in our lives. And these things are nothing in comparison to knowing Jesus. Matthew 16, 26, we read, What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Confidence in the flesh refers to putting confidence in anything other than Jesus Christ. It's having faith in yourself that you're the master of your own destiny. It is having a self-righteousness rather than being, being righteous through Christ. Again, it, it, is Jesus the one listed first if we had an ingredient list on us? Or how far down the list would he be? Are there certain things in our lives that we need to maybe give up? We have to give up to know Christ. Or what do we need to pay less attention to in order to pay more attention to Jesus? Not just to be flavored with Jesus, but to be filled with Jesus. Let's jump back to verse 1. I love the phrase, rejoice in the Lord. Verse 8, nothing else compares to knowing Jesus. Know Jesus. Know Jesus and know what he has done. Make him known to others. Jeremiah 31, verse 34, Old Testament, we read, No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Knowing the Lord means acknowledging God's great act of deliverance through Jesus Christ and submitting to the Lordship. And there may be challenges in our lives when we submit to the Lord. There may be some earthly losses in our life. There will be costs in following Jesus. You can read a parable in Luke 14, and it talks about those costs. Counting the costs. But the rewards are great. They're great. 
because of Christ's death and his resurrection. God's power at work in us, transforming us more and more. Yes, there may be earthly losses, but there are heavenly gains. And Paul states here in this passage that he presses on. He presses on towards this goal. Meaning that, yes, it is a journey, and he is pressing on. It's not necessarily easy street on this journey. There could be pressures. So verse 12, Paul has taken hold, but only on what Jesus has taken hold of first. Jesus has first taken hold of him. Our own efforts could never bring us to a successful finish. Our own efforts could never bring us to salvation. You see, God initiates, we respond. God calls, God promises, God loves, we respond. We love him, we love one another. We respond by knowing Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus and following in obedience to Jesus provides us a present relationship with Jesus in this life. And it provides us a hope of an awesome and eternal future with Jesus. As verse 20 and 21 states, that we eagerly await the Savior. We have our citizenship in heaven. You know, we already know the end of the story. This week at the conference in Detroit, um, Richard Mao was one of the speakers. He spoke on Thursday. A powerful speaker. Oh, they were all powerful speakers. Richard Mao spoke about how when he reads a novel might be a 400-page novel. He gets about page 200, and probably many of you can relate to this. He's got to jump to the last page to see what happens. He can't wait for the other 200 pages. He needs to know how the story ends, and then he goes back to 200 and continues the journey of reading the story. Maybe some of you do that, but we do that with the Bible. We know how the story ends, thankfully. The outcome is already settled. But how are you now going to proceed to the finish line? The prize has already been established for us. And it is that goal that we need to strive for. And our goal is that journey. That journey of knowing Jesus. Becoming more and more like Jesus. The fact that we know the end of the story and we have been given, freely given that prize impacts for how we live our life now. We're on a journey in which we can fix our eyes on Jesus. Be filled with him. Not just flavored. Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, older book, probably all familiar with it. If you're not, the very first chapter is titled, It All Starts With God. And Warren states in this book, in this chapter, that too often we ask self-centered questions, which most of us probably do, not even realizing, like, what do I want to be? Or what should I do with my life? And then we too often put the focus on ourselves and put ourselves as a subject rather than our God as a subject. And we need to kind of reframe the questions, reframe our lives. We need to ask what is God's purpose for me? What is God's desire in my life, in the church, at work, at school, in my family? According to this passage, God's purpose is for us to know Jesus and to know the power of his resurrection. To know that we are made righteous by God through faith in Jesus. 
Knowing Jesus means that we are being filled with Jesus. And when we are filled with Jesus, it means our value, our worth. It doesn't come from ourselves. It doesn't come from our possessions. You may be full of confidence or you may even lack confidence and that you're struggling with things in your lives. There will be times that you feel on top of the world or other times that you feel like the world is on top of you. According to Paul, it doesn't matter what's all going in your life. What matters is that you know Jesus because when it comes to the final day of judgment, our achievements, or even lack of, will fall short of God's requirement for acquittal. Our works or lack of works will have no impact in the final judgment. Knowing Christ and his resurrection is the crux of Christianity. Seriously, when it comes to things in this life, how often don't we say, it's who you know? And that is so true for the Christian faith, for the Christian life. It's who you know. Knowing Jesus and being filled with Jesus is also knowing and having faith that all this that he gives to us is to be received by us as a free gift from God. It is by grace through God, through his son, Jesus Christ. When we believe in Jesus, we then know that Jesus died in our place, that, that the sins that we had or do have and will have have all been put onto him. God is far more interested in what you are than in what you do. And when, when you realize what you are and whose you are, then Jesus will be that main ingredient in your life. And then what you do will flow out of that relationship that Jesus initiated with you and that you responded with him. And everything else will flow out from there. Your work, your school, your relationships, your hobbies, your recreation, your finances. And when we do fall short, take hold of Jesus and know that all your sins are forgiven. Because Jesus has first taken hold of you. Be filled with Jesus and have faith in him. Thanks be to God. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your grace to us, your children. Thank you that you know us and that you call us to know you. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, work in each of us to put our confidence in you. Work in each of us to grow in our faith in you. And help us to put aside the earthly things that we have confidence in that so easily distract us. And help us to focus on you, our Lord and our Savior. So that through you, we may live the life that you call us to. Knowing you, Jesus. There are those among us here today with doubts. There are those among us here today with guilt thinking maybe we could do better in our life. May we come to understand that it's not about what we have done or not done, but our salvation is on account of what you have done. And for that, we praise you. Allow us to bask in your grace and in your forgiveness and allow the power of your resurrection to take hold of us. Hear our prayers. We pray this only in your name. Amen.